I want to tell you something this morning from the very bottom of my heart with all sincerity, humility that I have. And that is the more I read and pray and study, the more I don't know. The more I need to understand the more I feel so very incompetent to stand on this platform and try to tell you anything that's in this book. But there are a couple things I know for sure, and I'm gonna tell you about a few of those. I know that the gospel was given by inspiration of God, indisputably. And I know that the same Holy Spirit who gave that word to, inspired that word to men of old is the same Holy Spirit that works through us to do the will of God through us. And I know that the purpose of these words written in this book are for our understanding in accordance with 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. It's to profit us in doctrinal understanding. It's for our reproof or our rebuke. It's for our protection, excuse me, correction and our instruction in how to be righteous so that, so that every man and woman of God may be perfected, completely equipped to do all good works. That's what the book says. So even though I cannot answer every deep theological question, and I can't, and I cannot put chronological order to everything throughout scripture, that's probably one thing that drives me nuts. I'm a very linear person, very uh, in a straight line works best for me. But the Bible doesn't work that way. Job was evidently the first book written. Figure that one out, I don't know. But I can tell you this, every time I read it, it convicts my heart. It shows me my need of a savior. And it encourages me to keep trying for that perfection in him. Not in and of myself, but in him. And with that said, I want you to turn with me, please, to Ezekiel chapter nine. This is a heavy message this morning. We're gonna read the word as it is, and then I'm gonna say a few things about each one of those verses and see where the Lord takes us. Ezekiel chapter nine, verse one. Let's see what the Lord is telling us. He cried also in mine ears with a loud voice saying, cause them that have charge over the city to draw near, even every man with his destroying weapon in his hand. This sets the the stage, so let me stop right there for just a minute 
This is Ezekiel having a vision that God gave him. And the he cried is God crying into, or the Holy Spirit crying into Ezekiel saying, look at this and see what you see. And God said, cause them that has charge over the city. These are the angels that God had set for protection over the city. And now God said, every one of those men, the, the vision refers to them as men, but the commentary, all of them agreed that these were angels of God with the destroying weapon in his hand. So that's the stage that we're setting. And behold, these six men or these angels came from the north and every man a slaughter weapon in his hand. And one man among them was clothed with linen. Linen represents righteousness all throughout the Bible. This man was clothed with linen, but the others had the weapons in their hand. And the man that was clothed with linen had a writer's inkhorn or a container of ink in his belt on his side. And they went in and they stood beside the brazen altar in the temple. And the glory of the God of Israel was gone up from the cherub. Whereupon he was to the threshold of the house. And he called to the man clothed with linen, which had the writer's inkhorn by his side. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. And to the others, he said, in mine hearing. So God is now telling the others with the weapons in their hand in the hearing of Ezekiel. Go ye after him, the one with the linen, through the city and smite. Let not your eye spare, neither have ye pity. Slay utterly the old and young, both maids and little children and women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark, and begin at my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men which were before the house or the temple of God. And he said unto them, Defile the house and fill the courts with the slain. Now go ye forth. And they went forth and slew in the city. And it came to pass while they were slaying them. And I was left that I fell upon my face and I cried and I said, Ah, oh, Lord God, will thou destroy all the residue of Israel in thy pouring out of thy fury upon Jerusalem? And then said he to me, 
the iniquity of the house of Israel and Judah is exceeding great. And the land is full of blood and the city full of perverseness. For they say, the Lord hath forsaken the earth and the Lord seeth not. And as for me also, mine eye, this is God speaking, mine eye shall not spare, neither will I have pity, but I will recompense their way upon their head. And behold, the man clothed with linen, which had the inkhorn by his side, reported the matter, saying, I have done as thou hast commanded me. I told you it was a pretty heavy word, and it is. The men with the weapons in verse 1, these are said to be, as I said, the same angels that had, God had set over the city to protect Jerusalem. But now he's commanded them to go through the city and destroy everyone who does not have the mark placed there by the man in linen. And the man in linen symbolizing the righteousness of Christ and his redemption power, saving and calling away from the destruction those of the true remnant of the house of God. Only those with the mark, the ink horn on the side of the man in linen would be placed on the forehead of those that God deemed to be saved. Then verse 3, the glory of the Lord had left the house of God, the church. He came up off the mercy seat and he departed out the front door before ascending up to the Mount of Olives. And they didn't even know that the glory had gone from the church because they said, well, God's not paying attention to us. We can do what we want. But at the door of the building, this is where God told the one in linen, the righteousness of Christ, put the mark on those heads of those who had sighed and cried for the abominations. The mark was only to be given to the true remnant of the church. And to the others, he said, don't look at them with compassion or pity in your eyes. You do what I tell you. And God said, you start at my house. Even the elders that are standing at the, at the, uh, in the entryway, at the threshold, that's what I'm trying to say, at the threshold of the building, you start there with your destruction. Because the men that were standing there were also bowing their knee to the idols and the debauchery that was going on inside the house. Verse seven, the very house of God 
was so defiled by the idol worship and the things going on there that God said, I can't even call it holy anymore. Bring the dead in and pile them up in the middle of the room. I don't even care about it. It's defiled. So they piled the bodies up there as God had said. In verse 8, the vision so moved Ezekiel that he fell upon his face and he cried, Oh God, are you going to destroy all the people with your fury? And verse 9, and God answered back and said, Ezekiel, but the iniquity is so great and the land is full of blood and the perverseness is just, it's so bad. And God even said, I cannot look at them with compassion and pity, and nor will you. But I will repay upon their heads for what they've done. In other words, with the same thing they've meted out, that's the judgment that I'm going to give to them. We can be sure that whatsoever things we sow, we will reap. In verse 11, the man in the linen reported back to the father, it's done, just as you commanded. And he marked and sealed the remnant of the church. Now I'm going to tell you this, as I have read this many times, I've researched it. This is the same remnant that's mentioned in uh, Revelation chapter 4 when the rapture of the church has just occurred and there is the remnant before the throne of God prior to the great tribulation beginning. So it matters whose mark we take. It matters. This is no game. 1 Peter 4.17 says, For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall be the end of them that obey not the gospel of God? We can look around, folks, and we can see the same disgusting, putrid sin that God had showed Ezekiel in this chapter. And you can read about those in the prior chapters. Verse 6, 7, and 8 tells about the debauchery. I don't want to go into that. And that our land is full of blood, the innocent baby's blood, as well as others who've been sacrificed for an evil, evil cause. We see per perverseness of every sort on every corner around us. There are so many questions right now about who is and who isn't speaking truth through all of our airwaves, but especially in the church now. And I can't tell you this one is, this one isn't. I'm not here to tell you this. But I know one thing. I want that mark from the man in the linen. I want that mark because God looked in his book of life and said, oh man in the linen, get that one, he's in my book. Get this one, her name is here. 
I want that mark so that when that trumpet calls and we are called home because we will be, we, the remnant, has that mark. No matter who says what, no matter who we listen to or we discount, we are individually responsible to have that mark of God. I recently told you about a dream that I had where I saw us in a boat with a tsunami coming. And I didn't have much um, knowledge or uh, foresight of what that tsunami might be. But I'm here today to tell you that I believe that the impact of that dream is related to this message. God said, start the destruction at my house. That tsunami just may be the exposure, the making public of some ministries that we have looked to, that we've put faith in, maybe we've given to, that God says, no, there's destruction coming to that house. And that's going to hurt. That's going to be very hard to watch and see if that is the case. Those who have been playing games with God, he said, I'm going to recompense the same back on their heads. You might recall in closing, in the 80s, a man named Earl Paul. P-A-U-L-K, Polk. He's known as the builder of the very first mega church in Atlanta, Georgia. In the exact same county where the illegal election took place in November, and they've gone through now, I think, three or four audits, versions of audits. This is where his church was, is, he had many, many charges brought against him for debauchery of all sorts. And it wasn't limited to him. It pervaded through the ministry itself. Charges both by people who were led of the Holy Spirit to him to confront him and convict him, and he would not listen and charges by victims who came forth and said, this is what's happening here. One of the assistant ministers went to the authorities that, that the church uh, you know, looked up to and that would have been had oversight over this, over this church, and they turned a blind eye and they turned a deaf ear and they said, we want nothing to do with this. We will not get involved. We will not have anything to come of this. Just go away. And they slapped a $24 million lawsuit on that man. As a result of the cover-up of this sin, the articles that I read said thousands fell away from the faith. 
fell away from the church. The church shrunk to just a very small uh, group. And that his sons perpetuated. Earl Polk died in, I think, 2015. I think I forgot to write down when he passed away, but his sons continued the sin and the debauchery in the pulpit and in the dealings of the church. You say, why are you telling us this? Because I'm so stirred in my heart by this message. The fact that God couldn't even remain in his own house. I fear that we may see this judgment starting in the near future. I really do. And that it's going to be very painful. And I also say that we cannot assume that the judgment is for everybody else, but not us without checking our own heart, without checking our own motives, without checking to make sure that we have no idols, we have no other gods before us except the Lord God Almighty. The old song says, it's not my brother nor my sister, but it's me, O oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Will you stand with me this morning, please? I hope this has meant something to you. It's been very, very heavy on my heart this week. It hurts so much to think that there may be a judgment coming on the house of God, that people's lives are going to be turned upside down because they put their eye on a man or they put their eye on a woman and then to find out they aren't real. Let's just pray. Father, we just ask you to wash us clean again. Oh God, by your precious blood, clean us up, Lord, with your mark from the holy righteous one in linen. Place it upon our foreheads, Lord, that our names are in your book and now the mark is on our head through the Holy Spirit. Oh God, that when that trumpet sounds, this remnant will be there, Lord. We will be present and accounted for because we put our faith and our trust in you and in, not in a man. Jesus, deal with hearts this morning, Lord, that may say, well, I need to drop this idol or I need to drop that, anything that we put before God, before the throne of God in our heart and our mind can become an idol. And we tear them down this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit through the blood of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to stay righteous before you, Lord, to carry that mark with bravery, Lord, and with pride as we walk this way. And oh God, I pray 
that this place be cleansed, that this house be pure and clean, Lord, that there's no sin, there's no dirt, Lord, there's nothing that could keep your presence from dwelling among us and sitting upon the ark, Lord, your rightful place, Lord Jesus, between the, the cherubim, on the mercy seat, Lord, we place you in the highest place in this place this morning. And we thank you for the moving of your presence, Lord. We thank you for the power and the cleansing of your blood. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that brings it to our mind and to our heart that we must remain pure and holy for judgment begins at the house of God. In Jesus' name we ask these things. Amen and amen.